welcome to my story, his story, our journey. This is Miss Mary here, welcoming everybody into the new year of 2022 and to the second episode that will be aired in season two. I am so excited to take this journey with you. But first, I would once again like to mention that I thank all 10 countries that are out there, that are people listening. I am so happy to see that the Lord has reached so far across um, this earth to touch people everywhere with this podcast. I would also like to draw your attention to, if you happen to be following me on Spotify, you will see a following button, which you can click that button to actually follow my podcast. Then beside of that is a little bell, and you can actually click that bell to be notified when episodes do appear. I wasn't as familiar with this particular um, system in the beginning, but I think I'm starting to understand more of the buttons now. Also, you can press, there's three little dots where you can press and actually share this with anybody that you might believe would be... um, interested in listening to this podcast, please let's do our part with getting the Word of God out there and reaching all of those people that we love and even those that you may feel like would never listen if you are trying to witness into them, please try to share this with them. And you'll also see that there's a rating button where what that is is you can rate me up to five stars as to how much you enjoy this podcast and yes I would like for you to fill that out and please be as honest as you you need to be with that rating I am new with this I hope I do this podcast justice I do pray that the Holy Spirit is always leading me and I know there is mistakes that I have sometimes made but I promise you that that's probably definitely more me than the Holy Spirit but uh, I do not go back and re-record anything or uh, edit it in the sense to take out some of those mistakes because I want this to be as genuine as possible, just as if you and I were sitting in the living room speaking together. So uh, please feel free to fill out that rating for me. Um, I'm so looking forward to doing this journey with you today and I will see you in my part of the story. Welcome to my part of the story. So we're now moving into the second episode of the new season and we're starting a brand new year and I'm sure as everyone turns on their television we can see a continuation of situations that's happened over the last few years and sometimes as a believer and even with some some non-believers we can get very discouraged we can see things that are happening in the world that just does not make sense to us. We can see even some Christians siding with what is going on in the world in the name of love. Sometimes I believe that many believers, I'm sorry, have uh, gotten very confused on the very clear lines that God has drawn. He does say, love your neighbor as yourself. And, but he also says, love me with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And so that means we have to love what God stands for. We can love others and, and follow God's word. We can You know, if you think back with you, with having your children, you loved your children, but you know you had to discipline them. And you knew that you disciplined them for a good reason, because they needed it for direction. But yet everyone seems to be very upset with God if he would discipline his children, or if God would draw a clear line in the sand and say, which side do you stand on? Yet, we do it in our very lives ourselves. 
And we do that because that is something that God has bestowed inside of us. And as believers, we contain the very spirit of his nature. We, we contain his spirit in our body. So for us as believers to go against God's word, to side with the world on the concept of, well, we just accept everybody because of love, then we would actually be going against the very boundaries that God has when it pertains to love. So what do we do? We find ourselves being frustrated. We find ourselves being torn, confused about the gray area. But there is no gray area. With everything when it comes to God, it's black or white. And it lies within Genesis to Revelation. And in this case, red as well when it comes to Jesus's words. So that's the answer. You have to stay in God's word and you have to seek Jesus's understanding. What did he say? How did he feel? What did he do based on each situation? But if you only go to church once or twice a week and it may consume a four hours, then how? How do we really know just based on what someone else may even say from the pulpit? Well, this is where I believe we get confusion when it comes to the church. And I have prayed a lot about where God would have me to go based on what is really going on right now. And I thought, Lord, is there a topic you want to say to someone, to all of us? Is there, where do you want me to go? And I found myself the last few days just trying to be still and know that he's God and try to hear his voice in my mind and in my heart directing. And I didn't receive the direction until just today, right before I'm airing this episode. And I believe that our Father is preparing us as a church. I am about to go on a journey, and I think He wants me to take this journey to even remind myself into a book that I dearly love and cherish that has helped me through so many things in my life. And I know that you're out there, and I know that you need direction And also, I think God is preparing us for what could lie ahead as we see things changing so drastically in our world, especially in our country now in the United States of America. I believe God is trying to prepare his church for what is to come. Yes, this book is for us always, always, for every day-by-day life. He needs us to understand this concept, but I believe He wants us to understand it even more now today than we have ever. So I'm excited to take this journey with you. And this particular series, because it will be more than one episode, this particular series is going to be called A Walk with James and Jesus. So we are going to go into the book of James and we're going to see what God the Father wants us to know and we're going to see through the brother of James or the brother of Jesus James what we need to know and how we need to prepare ourselves you could be out there right now going through a very difficult time and you need this book for this very moment in time to understand why it is we often ask that question why do bad things happen to good people well We know that there's most people out there that would consider themselves good. But Jesus says, there are none that are righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So at that point, we have to take the good off the table. And we have to look at it. Are you a child of God? Or are you a child of Satan? Now we know we're all God's creation. But we become a child of of the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ and that's the only way that we can become a child of God. He made everything work the way it works and he established that path. He said, 
This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus said, No man comes to the Father but by me. So that is the guidelines. That is the direction in which we have to go. So now, if you are a believer, you are a child of God, now we enter into a walk with James for James to explain to us why it is we experience some of the things that we experience and also to prepare us for a future that could very well get very hard and difficult to live. So let us look into the book of James and take a walk with him and see the direction in which God is pointing us and also the understanding of why sometimes bad things happen to those that love God. I will see you in his part of the story. joining me in his part of the story. We are now entering into a journey with James or a walk with James with instruction. Like I said before, remember, every time we read the Word of God, it is timeless just as God is timeless. So when he speaks to us through his Word, he is speaking directly into our minds and our heart. So as we take this journey with James, please feel free to backtrack, listen to it again. I actually encourage you, if you have already studied the book of James, please don't skip this because God's word always has something for you. And he may show you something that you did not see prior in the book of James as you studied it. And it's so important I once attended a church years ago with a pastor that had memorized this entire book. And I thought, I don't believe I could possibly do that at all. And, uh, but then as I started really studying the book of James, I realized like, wow, how important that would have been in my life if I could have memorized this entire book. So please stick with us. See what God's instructions are through James. And as I said before, this is considered James the Just, that is the author of this book, but we know the Holy Spirit is actually the author of this book, as they he inspired James to write and pin down what he needed to tell his church. It is directed toward the believers, and this is he was considered James the Just. Remember, we had talked about that before. Um... So let's see what uh, the Spirit has to say to us through James as we go on this journey. So the letter of James, chapter 1, verse 1. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in dispersion. Greetings. So as we see here, James is starting his letter out to the twelve tribes in the churches with a greeting. And then the heading here right above in my particular Bible, and I am reading from the ESV only for it to be a little bit more understandable to those listeners out there. It says the testing of your faith. Sometimes it's very important if you have your own Bible that you look at some of those little headings because it will kind of give you a little bit of an idea of what is happening in these writings and why James is addressing the situation. So here we see the testing of your faith. In verse 2 it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let the steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So it speaks of the testing of our faith. So now we can kind of understand that where we're headed and where James is trying to explain to us that your faith will be tested. And again, I want to remind you that I believe God led me to this book because I have a feeling like pretty soon our faith is going to be tested like it had never been tested before. I think some of you may already be feeling 
those effects because of how the world is right now. It's sad but true that the world has a tendency right now to really look down upon Christianity. And if you're actually following this podcast and you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior and you are doing what I asked you to do, just follow, listen, get to know Jesus, get to know who he was and what he was about and how he loved you and what he gave for you. I would pray that you would clearly see the difference in what the world wants you to believe about this man and about the followers of him. We, we do love. If you are a believer out there and your body does not reflect a love for mankind and mercy and grace, then I would ask you to pray and examine your heart because you either do not contain the Holy Spirit of God or you are living on your own power through your own flesh because it's our sin nature that has a tendency to be angry and to uh, rather debate rather than teach. You know, Jesus was never really a debater. He just spoke truth and he allowed truth to represent itself. And I pray that that's what comes across as we take this journey with James because this could explain why us as believers experience trials. I can think of scriptures prior that we had talked about where Jesus says, if the world had hated me, then it will hate you. He also said that those that are persecuted for my name's sake, for great is your reward in heaven. So he did say we would be persecuted. Remember, we had talked about the warnings that Jesus gave that, you know, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So as the world is against you or hating you or hating what is coming out of your mouth, if it is true from the Word of God, we were already pre-told that that would happen. As a matter of fact, those people are proven prophecy. They're proven what Jesus said would happen. So we should not take offense or let it take us off guard because if you are aware that this is a warning that he gave you would happen, then you need to understand it will happen. So he's saying here to count it all joy. I know that's hard and we've discussed that before in one other episode. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but I can see where the Holy Spirit through James is trying to comfort us and say, it's okay. This is how it must be. Remember, we warned you that this could happen. And if it's not happening just because we are living a God called life and people can see it and they're rebelling against it, then it could be happening because God is taking us in a direction that he needs us to go and yet we don't understand it. So it feels like a trial or a testing of our faith. It could be that God's trying to teach us something through this trial or test. So we need to keep an open mind about it because he said, let the steadfastness have its full effect. So it teaches us to be steadfast, to continue to push forward and to not look back and not to give up. I think of all of the baby Christians out there, the young Christians that never really got in God's word that allowed Satan to get a hold of them through worldly things. They had no steadfastness. Under trials and temptations and the troubles of this world, they gave up. They gave up and took what they believed was an easy route, only to find out later it was not, that Satan had blinded them and tricked them into believing this is how you escape your problems. Let's go on into verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. 
Therefore, that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now that right there, five through eight, it's a mouthful. We need to really pay attention to what is being said here. He said, if any of you lacks wisdom, wisdom, not lacks money, not lacks friends, not lacks if you lack wisdom. So we can see here that he's saying you need more wisdom. You need more understanding of what is happening and what you're experiencing and going through right now. You're lacking in wisdom. He said, let him ask God. Of course, who else can we go to? God is full of wisdom. God is the very essence of love and wisdom. You can't rely on someone else's. You know, the world would have us to believe that if you believe it, it is. If you say it, it is. If you do it, it's okay. Hmm. That sounds pretty much like they're trying to get us to replace God. He spoke it, and it happened. He says it, and it's true. It's almost like you live your life fully how you choose and want to live your life and let other people live their life how they choose and just leave well enough alone. Hmm. Well, we can see as people have done this over the past century where our generations of children have gone, it certainly has not gotten better. So I'm not sure that that is the correct advice that you need to be traveling on and listening to because as a matter of fact, I know it isn't because the only one that holds true wisdom is God. And he says, ask him who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. He's saying, come to me, come to me with your heart wanting it and I will give it to you. I will show you truth. I will give you the answer that you need, but come to me. But he also says to let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Well, it's true. Why to go to God and ask him for an answer? For him to reveal it to you through his word. And then only for two or three days later for you to doubt what is actually happening or what he said. I think this is often where young believers get lost. Sometimes the trial or the pain is just a little too much. And they get an answer from God about it and yet... They can't handle it. They can't handle that answer or that wisdom that he's given them. It's just too much for them to handle. So they start to become double-minded. And and trust me, I have had this very scripture quoted to me by a pastor from quite some time ago. Because I allowed Satan to cloud my mind and judgment about a situation when it came to my son. And he says, Mary, do you know? Do you know what God says about this? I'm like, yes. And then he said, let me take you to the book of James. And he read this scripture to me. And it was literally a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And I know that this was his way of saying, Mary, don't be double-minded. You can't be double-minded on God's word because you will be tossed like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind, it says. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. And unfortunately, that's true. If you cannot grab a hold of the wisdom and the truth from God's word, or once it's been implanted into you, and yet you go back and forth and struggle with it, then you're going to be unstable. And... I have lived it, and I still live it. I'm just going to be honest. When it comes to worry and fear, I have a tendency right off the bat to fear and worry, but then God's Word comes up behind it and plants my feet on that solid rock again. And I 
I've prayed, you know, Lord, I would love for you to just, as soon as the fear and the worry comes in, to let me just counter-react that with, I do not give you the spirit of fear, but the power of love and sound mind, and, you know, just help me do it right from the beginning. I desire that so much in my heart, rather than fear and worry first and then go, oh yeah, I remember God's word, but it's okay. Because if you're there, just grab a hold of God's word. He's reminding you of Romans 8, 28. He's reminding you of all of these powerful scriptures that and promises that he's given you. So that's the reason we study it and implant it into our mind and our heart, because it's the weapon in which we use to repel the fear and the worry in Satan's lies. So, but we need to understand that God is working in us and through us. So there will be times of trials. There will be struggles. And he doesn't want us to be double-minded. So he goes on in verse 9 to say, Let the lowly brother boast in his exultation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. I believe this was added for us to see like it's okay. I sent you out with a message. Not every single person is going to receive that message. But it isn't our job to force them to receive the gospel. It isn't our job for them to completely understand who Jesus is in spite of me begging you to just stick around and to see him for who he is. It's the Holy Spirit's job to speak through this temple to reach them and to reach you listeners that are still here. It's not my job. And so he says that if it hurts and if it's painful, know this, that the time will come that they will understand. The sun will rise with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Do you lose out? Have you maybe been removed from that job because you refused to lie? Has your money gone down because they asked you to do something that you refused to do and they've dismissed you from your position? Maybe you've just lost a real dear friend because you stand on the Word of God because our world is pushing us to a point where we have to. We should have been doing it all along. But there's now coming a division, a great division in time where the church has to stand and speak truth. That's what we were saved for, for him to use us. So my question is, is, does it hurt so much that you turn your back on God because you can't handle the heat? Yet he's reminding us here that the rich man will fade away in the midst of his pursuit. It's okay. It's not up for us, it's up for God to judge. And for God, you know, his word is telling us here, he's trying to give us comfort that, you know, the Bible says that it's foolishness to those that are lost. And and he's trying to comfort us, to give us the strength to understand that if you are finding yourself in these trials and this testing, more than likely you are living out the life that he wants you to live out. That's why you feel this way. And so... He's comforting us here to let us know that it will be okay. This is to be expected. And then he says in verse 12, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which we talked about the crowns. I would, If you haven't heard those episodes, I would encourage you to go back and and listen to the crowns that we receive and under the circumstances in which we receive them 
and it goes on and says, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So please, brothers and sisters in Christ, don't don't use those words that God's tempting you. No. Sometimes we're under the trials because of who we are and what we believe. Sometimes we're under some testing in the sense that I've given you a truth. Now, can you apply that truth to your life? But he doesn't tempt us. Satan is the liar. Satan is the one that does all of the tempting. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Do you hear that? It's your own sin nature. It's the own wickedness in us that leans and wants to go toward what Satan has told us, the lies that he's told us, the temptation that he's laid before us, because our hearts are normally wicked. And that's, you know, we have the spirit of God in us if we're believers, but we also still have our carnal side. And you have to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. You have to be filled with the Holy Spirit to the point where you can say no to those temptations rather than to follow them because it seems easier. And it says, verse 15, Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. It, one leads to the other. First the thought and the temptation. Then you act it out. Then it gives birth to sin. And then when it's fully grown, it brings forth death. Have you given up on your faith, your life with Christ, walked away? Where do you find yourself now, years later? Are you close to death? Verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. There is no change in God. That's how we know he's the greatest father that ever lived. There's not an earthly mother or father can say that they had not been swayed to change their mind. But that's the beautiful thing about God. He always was, always is, and always will be the same. Unchangeable he is. It says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Did he bring you forth? He made you the first fruits. After Jesus, we are now living temples. We now walk, talk, live the example of Christ. Are you doing that with your life? Well, I believe we're going to stop right here. I wanted to get all the way through to chapter 2 on this. Well, let me go ahead and read it. I really would like to finish this in so many sessions, so I really feel the urge that he's wanting me to finish it. Because it says here, hearing and doing the word. 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Did you hear that? The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now there is a difference between righteous anger, but if you're out there in the name of God, protesting, finding yourself in the midst of anger and and just welling up inside of you, this does not produce the righteousness of God. It says, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness and implant the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently into his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. 
that's also so strong like that's why I didn't really want to stop because we need to put this together as a whole do you look in the mirror at yourself and say oh well my hair looks a mess but I'm just going to walk away no you stand in the mirror for correction I need to wash my face I need to apply my makeup I need to brush and fix my hair but yet he's saying you the word is right here and it's showing you in your face you, you, you're a hearer of the word, but are you doing it? Are you adjusting? Are you fixing it? There is a part of repentance that is so important. We have the study on repentance. Once he's shown it to you, have you repented, turned away from it, and turned to God, and continue ask, asking him to change that in you? Or are you just looking in that mirror again, and you forget what you look like? You just go away and continue to do it's like God brings it up to you again and again. He convicts your heart of what you're doing. He shows you you're listening to the word, but you're not doing it. You're not acting on it, but yet you do nothing. And in verse 25, he says, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and preserves being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. He said, These, this might be hard, these trials, these temptations, everything that's going on with you in your life, it could be hard, but if you are a doer of the word, in the out, or the, you know, when it's over, and when, or when you're in the process of it, the outcome of it is what I want to say, will be a blessing. He will be blessed in his doing. But you have to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer only. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Did you hear that? If you go out into the streets and you decide to demonstrate anger and hatred, it's worthless. The only thing you've accomplished is showing people what they already want to believe, that there's nothing to Christianity. There is a way in which Jesus Christ held himself and reacted and responded to things. Are we mimicking him? Are we speaking in in truth and in love how he explained us to do? Or are we being enticed by Satan to conduct ourselves in a way that will have no power Holy Spirit couldn't use us because we're living more in the flesh than in the spirit. Can you bridle your tongue? 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. He says, be busy about my business. Visit the orphans visit the widows visit those people that need you during this time because they're living in this world too they're struggling too keep oneself unstained from the world are you unstained from the world or have you allowed all of the chaos and the commotion to drag you into looking a lot like them I know I have struggled myself. I know that God has had to reel me back in and say, Mary, that's not the way. That's not the way I handled it. That's not the way you should handle it. I believe he's preparing us, church. And that's the end of chapter one. I believe he's preparing us. I pray that chapter one has given you something to think about to prepare to know that if you are struggling right now there is a reason consider it joy if he's trying to mold you and make you into God's image because like I said before who would not want to be like Christ but if you're unstable in all your ways and some of this is coming on from you because you Don't latch on to the wisdom that God's given you from his word about how to handle situations. Then 
again, you need to look in that mirror a little longer and do some adjusting and ask the Holy Spirit to help you change what you see in the mirror and what he's revealed to you in that mirror. Well, that is the first leg of this journey with James and with Jesus. And I'm glad you're with me on this because, yes, once again, he's already showed me something that I need to change. And I pray whatever you have seen that you need to change, that you would ask the Holy Spirit to help you with that. But we're going to stop here for his part of the story, and I will meet you in our part of the journey. part of the journey. Well, today I am going to read a little bit from the commentary in the book of James. And instead of from the beginning, I'm actually going to focus on a little area here that I really feel like God is leading me to. Um, Actually, in chapter 1, verse 19 through 27, it's kind of like a of a message, but I'm going to read this one little part, and then I'm actually just going to go down to uh, 22 to 25, but it says here, hearing and doing the word. The central theme of this section is practical Christianity mandated by the word of truth, which is the gospel and characterized by both truly hearing and then resultantly doing the truth. Obedience is a hallmark for a true child of God. So you'd have to ask yourself, do you obey? After he has revealed to you something through his spirit and through conviction in your heart, do you obey that truth? Can you be marked as a true child of God by responding to the truth of God's word and it's funny how sometimes as believers when we witness the gospel to those around us about the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what he had done for the salvation of sin uh, and the payment of sin um, it hurts us that we don't see a response sometimes people act as if it doesn't really matter and it hurts us that they do not respond to what it is we are talking to them about but what's more interesting is is the same people God's people that are already believers and contain the Holy Spirit of God in them they have a hard time responding to what the Holy Spirit is directing us to and what he wants us to see in our own lives So as we can see, we have a tendency to hold someone else at a higher standard than what we even hold ourselves to. And then it says, chapter 1, 19 through 21, it says, Hearers of the word, James encourages the church to pursue hearing the word and to avoid hasty speech and unrighteous anger. 119, James echoes Jewish wisdom, tradition, on the misuse of the tongue and the anger that can result. Quick to hear. Lack of listening combined with lack of restraint of speech leads to ill-tempered action. Slow to anger does not mean that all human anger is sinful, but the quick-tempered, selfish anger of the world, the anger of man, James 1.20, betrays lack of trust in God and lack of love for others. And again, I want to go back to reminding you, as you are one of God's children and you are in this world and you are trying to speak up and speak out for Christ, do it. But make sure you are capable of somewhat bridling your tongue with love and truth. Be sure you are one of those that are slow to anger and quick to listen If you are not, it could end up in selfish anger and your own control 
and in unrighteous anger. If you just want to be heard or you just want to make a point and it's more important to you that your point is made and you prove yourself to be right rather than the care of the person you're actually speaking to. And then it says, 120, the self-reliant anger of man, even when directed against some wrongdoing, fails to recognize that mere human reproach cannot change another person's heart, and thus it does not produce the righteousness of God. Hear that again. Human reproach cannot change another person's heart. Thus, it does not produce the righteousness of God. Nor indeed is such anger fully righteous itself. God is holy and righteous, requiring that his people emulate his righteous character. Righteousness here is not polite, legal, or forensic righteousness proclaimed in God's court of law but is closer to the usage of the Old Testament. And Jesus, in the sense of conducting one's life by the will of God according to his standards. So it's much easier to say something than it is to live it out even in your own life. Do you hold yourself to the same standards that you're wanting to convince another person of? You know, we are to live for Christ, live as Christ, and let Christ live through us. And then allow God to be seen through us and let them respond to him and his word and not necessarily our anger or our opinion. And then put away all filthiness pictures the stripping off of dirty clothes based on a desire of having nothing to do with dirt. Here, it's moral evil. Even again, in place of filthy behavior, the implanted word must take root in God's people. This idea of God's planting his revealed truth reflects in Deuteronomy 30.14. The word is very near to you. It is your it is in your mouth and in your heart. And especially the new covenant of Jeremiah 31:33, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. Save your souls refers to the progressive sanctification and ultimately the completion of God's saving work on the last day. Doers of the word Hearing the word without action is self-deceptive, while hearing that results in doing the word is a blessing. So let us not just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Because the being the doer of the word, coupled with love and mercy for mankind, Jesus can work through us with that. But if we are only out there to prove a point, to start an argument, even if you say, I do it standing in the name of Jesus, but yet you do not approach it in the manner in which Jesus approached it, then we're working in our own self and not allowing the Holy Spirit of God to work through us. So... I hope you enjoyed this first chapter of the book of James. Sometimes the book of James is hard and it's one of those that, yeah, you want to look in that mirror and look away. You don't want to believe that trials and uh, that brings forth patience and steadfastness and you're like, I don't know. Um, But then again, we're children, right? We're children of God. We're children that was like, I really don't know that I want discipline. I really don't know that I want guidance. I don't really know if I want to be led. Well, then you have to look back at your old life as a teenager and look back and say, well, I would have done things much differently. I would have listened to my parents. I would have listened to their direction and their guidance for what about the greatest father that ever lived. 
He's trying to give you guidance. He's trying to show you a direction. He's trying to save you from pain that is unnecessary. But will we take his advice? Will we gain wisdom from what it is that he has to say to us? Well, ultimately, that will be left between you and him, just as it is between me and him. But I would suggest that we listen to the Father's voice, understand it if the world comes up against us, hold our ground, let the Lord do the battling for us, but always remember that we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of the air. That We need to have love and mercy for all of those that we come in contact with, but never sway from the truth of God's word. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for another journey. I thank you for this journey with James. And I know, Lord God, that you want us to hear your voice, to hear your word, but not just to be a hearer of it, but you want us to do it, follow it, obey it, understand it, expect it. You know, Father, I know that when you think of military strategy, they think about every avenue in which the enemy could attack and they plan for it. I know that through your word, you have tried to prepare us for what we experience and what we're going through. And the greatest example was Jesus himself. He said, if they hate me, they will hate you. But we still have to also allow him to work through us to use the same character that he did on the cross when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Help us balance. Help us balance the difference between our anger. Let us look into that mirror. Let us see what you are showing us first about ourselves. Let's be a doer of your word and help us to shine better, to look like Christ, to allow him to work through us to those that we come in contact with in this world because we know it is a very trying time right now in our nation. I do pray for our nation. I pray for the nation leader, Lord. I pray first for their salvation, that they would be implanted with the Holy Spirit, that they would even be able to understand what it is that they need to do for this nation. I pray for all of those countries around us, those that are tuning in right now. Father God, I pray you would just be with them, protect them. Father God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your word. And I thank you for this new lesson that you have embarked on teaching us. I pray you would help us apply it to our lives and never forget it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for tuning in today and taking this journey through the book of James with me. And I will see you next Tuesday on My Story, His Story, Our Journey.